Hello, everyone. It's John Otterstead, Scarlet Nation Podcast. Today's episode is all about Rutgers recruiting. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about an unbelievable deal that we're offering to Rutgers Touchdown Club members. The Touchdown Club is the official booster club of Rutgers football. So here's the deal. Touchdown Club members who have never been a member of a 247sports.com team site like Scarlet Nation before can subscribe to our annual five-star VIP plan for only $40. This is our highest level plan, and it gets you all of our content, access to our VIP forum, Sportsline Pro Picks, an advertisement-free experience on our forums, as well as the ability to read every other team's VIP forum across the network. That last benefit is something that you won't get on any other network, and it's a big reason why we jump from Rivals.com to 247sports.com. The five-star annual VIP is normally $149.95 for the year, but Touchdown Club members can get it for only $40 for the first year. Yep, $40 for the first year. If you aren't a TD Club member, you can join the TD Club and Scarlet Nation for only $115. Go to RuckersTDClub.com to join the TD Club, and then head on over to ScarletNation.com to subscribe to us. Use promo code TDCLUB247. Once again, that's TDCLUB247, all together, to get your discount. Enjoy it for the year, and if you wish, drop it or change to a different subscription plan before your next renewal. And now, here is my conversation with Scarlet Nation recruiting analyst, Sean Brown. All right, Sean, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be talking to you today after a long month of Rutgers camps. So I'm going to jump right into it and ask you just how the camps were structured this year and how that compared to years past. Because I remember back in the day, I guess they had week-long camps. Kids would come and stay in the dorms, but I know that's different now. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I know I think it was last year the NCAA um, instituted a rule where every college had to have their camps within the 10-day window, or it's 10 days uh, in terms of quantity of camps, something along those lines. I think a lot of that was to cut down on, on what Michigan was doing with all the satellite cap camps around the nation, but they wanted schools to have their camps within a, a certain window of time. So like you mentioned, um, you rarely see colleges doing the week-long overnight camps. Maybe they'll do, uh, you know, a night overnight or whatnot, but, but typically we see a lot of colleges now that are just doing the one-day events. They're getting kids in. Um, they're there for, you know, however many hours during the day to compete or they'll do a, a late-night camp, you know, maybe a more elite camp under the lights under their, at their respective stadium. And how many events did you attend this year, and what were those events? Uh, so I, I was able to attend the, uh, the the first East Coast League camp that Rutgers hosted with uh, Ohio State on June 1st. Uh, I missed the June 9th camp that Rutgers had. I was at a bachelor party. Uh, then I was at the, the June 16th camp, the, the third installment of the East Coast League camp. And then uh, this past weekend, the, the Rutgers passing camp, or uh, you know, previously known as the 707 camp, I was there as well. Now, of those three events that you attended, I actually attended the one that you didn't attend, and I felt that that was right. probably the the weakest attended in terms of uh, top talent. But of the three that you attended, what would you say was that? Which one would you say was the most uh, packed with with with, with recruits? You know, I I would say it was a tie between the uh, first East Coast East Coast League camp on June first and then yesterday's camp. Uh, because, you know, for East Coast Elite with Ohio State being there as well, there was a draw for, you know, some of the top, top recruits in the area uh, to, you know, get some face time with the Ohio State staff 
uh, and, you know, just the energy around that camp as well, cause what it was built up to be. Uh, there was another, uh, I believe it was Army, was the other FBS team that was attending that camp. That was the premier team there. But then the, the, the passing camp, uh, traditionally, you, you bring out all the top non-publics from New Jersey, and they all have a ton of kids, and then just some of the top programs in the area, well, which have top recruits competing. You know, they, they get at least four games on um, seven on seven at, at the Rutgers campus. So that traditionally draws a lot of top guys in the area. Uh, you know, and those are guys that may already, already be committed to Rutgers, I mean, to Rutgers or that are committed to rival schools. Um, but they're top recruits that are going to be on the campus for that day. Sean, I have two questions and they're related. One is how camps have changed from the Shiano era to now in terms of the importance, whether they're more important now in the recruiting process or less important but also just how they've changed in terms of turnout. Did Shiano do a better job of pulling in the top recruits, or is Ash doing a better job? Um, you know, I, I think with one of the advantages now for, you know, just college coaches in general is there's there's more availability of film when it comes to, to huddle, especially with the game changer, to be able to have, you know, at your hands and, and click of a, uh, of a button or with your mouse you can get a, a recruit's whole season uh, and go through the film and, you know, evaluate your guys from there and kind of skim your list versus, you know, the need to see some guys up close as much. Uh, you know, huddle, I think, for a lot of schools, allows them to, to narrow it down and evaluate kids easier to, to issue offers and whatnot. Um, you know, for the, you know, for the Shiano camps, um, you know, like you mentioned, they were having week-long camps, and especially with the emphasis that they spent in, in recruiting Florida, you know, it, and you weren't able to see the Florida kids and the out state kids as frequently as you were the New Jersey kids. You know, those week-long camps were a good chance to, you know, see kids for a number of days compete against top talent. But also, you know, in the nights, you know, be able to get to know kids a lot better because you don't see them as frequently and see what type of character they are and see if they fit into your program. Um, you know, that, I guess that's one of the drawbacks for the lack of those overnight camps now. You know, for Chris Ass and these other coaches, they don't get a chance to spend as much face time with these schools, but with these kids, but they have all these satellite camps now. Um, you know, Rutgers did uh, do a satellite camp at uh, actually did satellite camp at Kennesaw State in Georgia, uh, which is close to Atlanta, and they also did the uh, two satellite camps in Florida at Florida Atlantic and Florida International. And they also did the uh, Ohio State satellite uh, Ohio State camp as well. Uh, I think it was the the week after they hosted Ohio State. So actually, that was the one camp I believe the whole Rutgers staff attended uh, the Ohio State camp this summer. I guess from a player perspective, it's probably better the setup they have right now because back in the day, it seemed like all the camps were taking place around the same time, often the same week. And if you committed to going to the Rutgers camp, then you missed that opportunity to work out for other teams. And right now, you see the kids, they're bouncing around, going to from one one day camp to another. I guess that's a, a better deal for them. And maybe for the, the coaches, too, because they get to see more players, right? No, I, I agree. Like like you mentioned, the kid can, you know, go. He can go to Rutgers on Friday. Then he can go to Temple or Syracuse on Saturday. And then, you know, he can go to another school on Sunday. Versus, like you mentioned, if a kid is dedicating a week to a camp, that's, you know, you know a couple of less days he could be spending at another camp. So it, it definitely allows kids to, you know, uh, you know, see other schools and, and you know, get seen and, and, and travel a bit better and, you know, make, make the most effective use of their time when it comes to being recruited. Back in the Shiano days, I remember that it was, if you were a top, top recruit, you could roll in for a day. Shiano would have you run your 40. They'd work you out a little bit, and then you could leave. But to those guys who are really the guys who needed to be seen the most by the different colleges, 
they were often stuck there for the entire week. No, I mean, I, mean, I think you, you still see that today um, with the camps. Typically, the, the top guys that they, they feel comfortable with and that they, they know pretty well, you know, like you said, they may just come in, run a 40, do a broad jump. Um, you know, they may just come hang out at the camp versus working out. You know, it's, it's, they don't, they still seem to be put through the same rigors as the guys that they're, they're really trying to evaluate. Um, and, and they're combing through every 40, you know, every, every broad jump, every agility test and, and then putting them through the one on ones to see how they, they fare versus, you know, athletes of the same caliber. Now, I'm going to go to a question from one of our users on the Scarlet Nation Roundtable message board, Rutgers Al, the famous Rutgers Al. He asks you, who stood out and who has serious interest in Rutgers and might be able to impact the team right away? So let's just generalize that question a little bit and just, you know, I know you've seen hundreds and hundreds of players. It's hard to narrow it down, but do any names continue to come up when you reflect on the events? Yeah, I mean, definitely. So... You know, I mentioned that the uh, you know East Coast Elite Camp, the one on June first, had the had the most talent outside of yesterday's camp. You know, I, I think especially when you look at the receiver uh, position at that camp, uh, Rutgers had maybe you know what are their you know top few talents on the board in that position on the class of 2019. They had Philadelphia receiver Yusuf Terry there. They had um, New Jersey receivers from South Jersey, Stanley King there, and from North Jersey, uh, Charles and Joku there. Um, and it's, you know, it's for the Rutgers staff, it was a great opportunity to get all three of those guys together. And, and I even asked them, you know, was it was it cool being in the same setting and just competing against one another? And it's like, yeah, you know, they, they like that chance to just be with the best of the best and, you know, work on their craft. And, and with Terry, you know, Yusuf Terry was kind of hanging out camping beforehand with um one of his best friends, uh, current Rutgers running back, Raheem Blackshear. And so oh, the camp said, you want to work out? He said, yeah, I'll work out. Um, you know, he came and, you know, worked out at the camp. And, you know, it just so happens Amar Wise came down. So, you know, the quarterback, the quarterback commit was already there. And then, obviously, the kid they offered um, a few days later, Cole Snyder from upstate New York, was also thrown in there. So it, it gave the Rutgers coaches the best chance to evaluate these receiver targets, catching passes from you know, a, a FBS, I mean, a, a FBS, you know, power five level um, quarterback. You know, so those guys, those three guys, um, you know, Rutgers still has a really young receivers room right now. So any one of those guys, if they ended up, you know, coming to uh, Piscataway, they're going to have opportunity to contribute right away. Uh, so of, of the camps, I, I see their receiver position from that first June first camp is, you know, the most important to have the most impact guys in that group. Now, we have a feature called Charting the Offers, and you contributed to that. And for those of you who don't know about it, it's a feature that's on the Roundtable message board, which is our premium message board on scarletnation.com. And it's where we go down and we list everyone who has been offered, and we categorize them. So is there a high likelihood that this recruit will commit to Rutgers? Is there a medium likelihood? And we work our way down to no likelihood of this person committing. Now, an exciting thing about this time period is that a lot of new players – rise up, often get offers. I know there's been a lot of younger guys, 2020s, 2021s that Rutgers have been looking at. But also, you mentioned Cole Snyder before as someone who came in. He was not on our last month at the end of May on our Charting the Offers feature because he didn't have an offer. Are there any other players of that in that 2019 class that Rutgers saw, they evaluated, and they've offered, and therefore we have to add to that feature? Um, you know, there haven't been, surprisingly, there, I was expecting more offers to come out of the, the summer camps, uh, you know, of 2019. You know, one prospect we, we've been talking quite a bit about the last week or so is uh, Smith Dilbert from St. Joe's Montvale. 
who is, you know, he, he's known more for his, you know, his, his skill set on the basketball court for the Green Knights basketball team. And he had, you know, dabbled in football the last year or so um, before, you know, you know, putting more commitment towards the sport this summer. And, and you know, he's a guy that came out to the Rutgers camp, uh, the last uh, individual camp on, on June 16th. And, you know, he's a guy, I was like, who is this kid? I, I've never heard of him. Um, and I didn't see St. Joe's early last year play live. I saw him later in the season. Uh, so my understanding is that he was there in the beginning of the year at St. Joe's, wasn't there later in the year, but he, you know, he only can attend the camp for about, you know, half of the day. Uh, the Rutgers coaches saw how he tested, he, you know, he looks the part. They pulled him aside for some one-on-ones versus some of the top offensive linemen at the camp, and he did extremely well there. Uh, and then, you know, they had him back um, with his team at the passing camp yesterday. Um, they gave him another, another workout, a more thorough workout, and they decided afterwards that he was worthy of an offer. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, this is his first, you know, experience really in football. He's already got his first scholarship offer. He's going to be a prospect that's interesting to watch that, you know, he could blow up um, as the season goes on. And, you know, but if Rutgers can, can close him down quickly, you know, it's that boomer bust everything talk, everyone talks about. You know, can he be that guy that just picks up the game like the Kamoko Chure senior and, and becomes something big? Or is he just a really big athlete um, that may not take to the game? Uh, but he's someone, you know, that we have to put on the list now. He's someone we definitely have to watch closely in terms of his recruitment. And that's the benefit, one of the big benefits of these camps. It's one of the big benefits of Rutgers being in a talent-rich state like New Jersey. There's talent that goes undiscovered, just like this player right here. And, you know, part of the ability for Rutgers to rise up and actually turn this thing around is going to be able, their ability to evaluate that under-the-radar talent and find the next Kamoko Toure. No, most definitely. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this running back situation because Brian Doan, the national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, put a crystal ball pick, which is his choice of, I guess, his guess, best guess of where a player is going to commit. And he chose Rutgers as the destination for, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but K-Ron Adams, a 5'10", 190-pound um, running back at a Harding High in Ohio. This is a gentleman who I didn't know much about. I still don't know much about, aside from what I've read a little bit on the site. Can you tell me a little bit about him? Yeah, he's a running back. I believe uh, I spoke to him yesterday briefly at the passing camp. He was making his unofficial visit. I believe Warren is in north uh, eastern Ohio. I apologize for the Ohio natives if I'm wrong, but I believe it's northeastern Ohio. Uh, he's a running back. He had some some um, uh, smaller FBS offers. Uh, I think Cincinnati was the biggest offer. I know. I know. Uh, Minnesota was looking at him. I believe Michigan State was also looking at him as well. But he's a guy that uh, the Rutgers tight end coach Vince Okru uh, recruits that area of Ohio. So he, you know, he kind of brought him to the staff. Uh, he was a guy that the Rutgers staff saw at the Ohio State camp. Um, you know, Chris Ash was there. He, I was told that the whole staff watched him work out closely. Uh, and, and you know. You know, a lot of college offers nowadays, and they come from the assistant coach, and then you got to visit, and then eventually get the validation. But the whole staff was there. Coach Ash was there. I heard they they really fell in love with the kid. Uh, and in terms of the caliber of talent, he he grades comparably. Uh, he's comparable to a lot of the other running backs that they're recruiting that are still on the board. So he's a guy that really likes quite a bit. You know, we talked to Adams. He said, you know, I'm getting a Rutgers in the next two weeks, and sure enough, he was he was here on Saturday to visit. He told us the visit was great. You know, he felt like he felt at home. Um, you know, Rutgers had a former grad transfer now, um, GA, Ross Thomas, or Ross Douglas, who's a Ohio native, showing him around. You know, he got a really good vibe of the program, saw the campuses, 
uh, you know, and I just saw him showing around. He had a real glow on his face, and he really liked everything that he saw, you know. So when he was leaving, he said, I have no other business plan. Uh, he was initially talking about going to Cincinnati, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So, you know, everything right now seems to be leaning towards uh, Adams uh, joining the pack at Rutgers. I'll give you a quote from our article that we have on the main page of ScarletNation.com. So here it goes. Quote, I liked everything about the visit. I fell in love with the coaching staff already. I feel at home here. So that's a pretty good uh, endorsement. But I have to t- ask you, Sean, because when I look back at our charting the offers feature from last month, and once again, it hasn't been updated. We're going to update it within the next week. There's two other recruits who I believe Rutgers is still tight with at the running back position. Josh McKenzie, 5'9", 180-pound running back at a Bergen Catholic, and Aaron Young, 5'9", 190 at a Coatesville, Pennsylvania. How does this all shake out? Three excellent players. We have one crystal ball to Rutgers, two others. We have on that high likelihood list. Does Rutgers take one? Does Rutgers take two? Where does it? Where do the Scarlet Knights sit with them right now? You know, it, it, it's funny. You know, and, and I'm sure you saw the, the fans freaking out uh, yesterday on the board. I almost compare it to if, if a guy's dating three women and he's jumping between dates at the same restaurant. You know, yesterday coincidentally they had they had Cameron Adams on campus for unofficial visit uh, with the passing cap going on. They had Josh McKenzie uh, on campus as he was participating with the Durham Catholic team and. The really interesting thing there was that Josh actually had a, a, an official business scheduled to another school, and he, he canceled it to make sure he was around for the passing camp. So that's, you know, Josh is the, the local guy, um, obviously well-regarded, coming from, the you know, last year's top program in the state, Burning Catholic. And then Aaron Young, who, you know, his, his older brother, Avery, is actually, you know, he's an incoming freshman at Rutgers. And, you know, coincidentally on the same weekend, Avery was, was moving in, uh, getting ready to start summer workouts, so Aaron and the family came to accompany Avery to see the campus. So all three guys were on campus this weekend, and, you know, in speaking to Josh and, and our guy Brian Fonseca spoke with um, with Aaron uh, earlier today, you know, things are trending well with both of those running backs as well. Uh, Josh obviously was, was coached by the new Rutgers running back coach, uh, Lindsey Campanile, and those guys have a really strong relationship. And like Josh has said, you know, there was, there was a stigma – uh, for a lot of those schools up north, um, just in the past years, um, you know, they haven't been sending a lot of guys to Rutgers. But, you know, Josh has said that he, he sees the culture changing, um, you know, right in front of his eyes. He's, he's you know, he's big on possibly being a guy to be a Pied Piper and be a leader to, you know, go from Burning Catholic, uh, which traditionally has not sent a lot of guys to, Ruck, um, to Rutgers and be one of the first guys that, that makes that move. And not just for his school, but for other schools in that conference. Uh, and then Aaron, obviously, older brother going there, you know, everyone's been saying that there's a very high likelihood that they wouldn't want to be a part. But Aaron is doing his due diligence. He's already taken three official visits to Arkansas, Northwestern, and Michigan State. Uh, but, you know, he, he made it to campus yesterday and, Originally, the plan was for him not to really come to the campus until Sunday to help move his brother in. Uh, but he, you know, he really wanted to get a chance to sit down with the new offensive coordinator, John McNulty, and, and to see exactly what his plan was for him um, in the in the offense. And you know, so he did sit down with Coach um, towards the end of yesterday. From from all accounts, that went well. There's another chance to get him back on the campus, and it's been a while, especially because the dead period's coming up. So you don't want to go another month um, and not have a, a top priority guy on your campus after seeing all those other schools. So they got him back on campus. You know, they loved him up. He got a chance to sit with McNulty and, and Rutgers seemed to, you know, feel very confident um, with young school recruitment as well. Now you have three running backs. Rutgers seems to be high on all of them. They've been high on McKenzie and Young for a long time. 
do you see them? I, you know, this is one of those deals. If all three of them wanted to commit, how many can Rutgers take right now? They they can take all three. Um, from from over here, they they definitely can take all three. Um, you know, each each guy is a little different than one another. I mean, when you look at the size, they're all, they're all about the same. But each each guy has a different skill set. Um, and you know, it was everything was really trending um, towards McKenzie. Aaron Young, there were some other backs uh, locally they were looking at that have decided elsewhere. Josh Henderson, North Carolina, uh, and Pat Garrow in uh, Philly, he's going to end up somewhere else. But when they saw Adams in camp, you know, and, and we tell people all the time, I think uh, the fans get so stuck on if, if a kid has an offer in January that no matter what through the course of the year, he's automatically the top guy on the board. But recruiting boards change over time. Colleges are constantly evaluating guys. And, and the Adams situation, he's a guy that when they saw live, they said, wow, this kid is, he's talented. He's, he's not just, you know, a lower tier guy. They, they really liked him. So he, he put himself in that same upper, upper echelon as these other bats that we're talking about in McKenzie and, and Young as well. So they, if Rockers can get all three, they're going to take all three, in my understanding. Wow. All right. So let's take a look at last month's charting the offers feature. I know the fans get excited about that. They always want to know who's out there, who Rutgers has offered, and who's most likely to commit. So we have some hits and we have some misses over the past month, and I just want to run them by you to get a little additional insight. Now, we'll start with some of the hits. Um, listed as high was offensive line, excuse me, outside linebacker Chris Conti of DePaul, who actually committed to Rutgers. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about him? You know, Chris is a guy, um, you know, DePaul's a program, uh, one of those North Jersey non-publics that, you know, constantly produces talent. Um, he has three other classmates um, that are going to Power 5 schools, and that's that's the norm at DePaul. Um, you know, so Chris is a guy, he, he plays, um, he also plays fullback for DePaul. He's a lacrosse guy. He had a number of Division I lacrosse scholarships. You, you see he, he is athletic. Um, he didn't have a lot of, of, of Power 5 football offers. I believe Rutgers was the only one, but He's a guy that, you know, with Nunzio Campanile, he recruits that part of the state. He, he played DePaul every year. He, he knows the type of guy he is. And, and Nunzio's brother, Nick, is the offensive coordinator for DePaul. And my understanding is a lot of tie-in between the Campanile family and the DePaul staff. So those are guys he knows and he trusts, and, and, and they spoke highly of Conti. Uh, you know, he played next to Vinny De Palma, who's going to Boston College this year, a linebacker. Uh, Chris will move into the, the Mike middle linebacker position for DePaul. He played more outside as like a will uh, and pass rushing on certain downs, but he's a tough, hard-nosed guy, um, very, very physical player. You know, he's, he's a guy that uh, the opposing team does not like because he's, he's out there, he's mixing up. He, he's going to hit you. He's going to let you know he's there. He, he makes – he's always finding a way around the ball, had a number of tips uh, you know, back down the interceptions last year. And he's a guy that, um, you know, will be a, a sturdy force in the middle possibly for Rutgers at middle linebacker uh, once he gets on campus. All right, so we're going to look at another player who was listed as high in our May list and eventually committed to Rutgers. That's guard C.J. Hansen, St. John Vianney. What do you say about him? You know, he, you know it's a funny story um, to hear C.J. tell it. He's a guy that when he first enrolled at St. John Vianney, he wasn't really into football. And, and the coach who actually pushed him to pursue the game wasn't anyone on the St. John Vianney staff. It was actually Rutgers' um, offensive line coach, assistant head coach, uh, uh, A.J. Blazek, who was you know on campus recruiting Michael Clark and, and Jamal Beatty. And saw this this big guy say, "Hey, you, you know you got the body type. You know maybe you should pursue playing football." Uh, that and that gave C.J. the spark to you know want to look into the game, want to play the game. Uh, it, I, I know I posted the clips on our board. He actually doubles as the goalie 
uh, for the uh, St. John Vinny lacrosse team, but he, you know, he took the game up. Obviously, he has great size at 6'5", 6'4", 285. He you know, moves really well. He's definitely physical. He's the guy that, that Coach Blazer got us. He built that bond with, uh, valued him closely. And, and I know for this Rutgers staff, you know, versus when you get further out of state, it's easier to offer a guy because you, you know, you got to make sure they make the campus and things of that nature. Uh, and while Hanson didn't get an, an offer immediately from Blazing, you know, he, he definitely kept evaluating him. And when he felt that he was, you know, ready to, to get an offer, he finally offered him uh, a little later uh, in, in the winter of, of this year. And, you know, in-state offers, you offer a guy, it means you really want him, you will take commitment. So at that point, that bond was built. Some other power fives got involved, um, like Syracuse, one of them, uh, and UVA. And, and CJ was, you know, really, you know, strict about the process. He, although he always really liked Rutgers, you know, he actually came uh, for that June first camp to work out, which is not common for a lot of high priority targets for any school. But he wanted to work close to the coach Blazik, so he came for that June first camp. Um, he worked out close with coach Blazik. He visited Syracuse. He visited uh, UVA. Uh, just to make sure he's making the right decision that he officially uh, made a commitment. But, you know, big body guy um, can probably play either guard or center as well. Um, and he's a, he's a swing guy where he might, he might even get a look at, at offensive tackle in college. He plays right tackle uh, right now for St. John's beginning, but definitely one of the top priorities in state for Rutgers on the offensive line. So I know they were really excited about that pickup. Now, I want to stay on our high list, those players who we thought had a high likelihood of committing to Rutgers, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. But we do, you know, I like to mention our, our highs and I'll mention our lows in terms of when we do well and when we miss something. There were two players that we had on the high list that actually committed to other schools. That was Joe Rondi, defensive tackle of Wayne Hills, Bryce Nelms, defensive end, West Orange. It seemed like they were all wrapped up for Rutgers a month ago. What happened? You know, with Rondi, um, you know, he didn't have a ton going on when Rutgers offered him in the winter. You know, he was he was saying the right things about the program. He's you know from that Wayne Hill Wayne Hills program that has you know set the Hyatt brothers, uh, you know the twins that are on campus now is um, you know as a true sophomore redshirt freshman. Obviously, Duran is a you know Ronnie's classmate, his teammate uh, committed for this class 2019. Uh, you know and and uh, Brendan Brendan Devere there as well uh, as a sophomore linebacker. So there's a lot of ties to the program. You know, Joe was saying a lot of the right things was coming down the campus and, you know, and was showing the love and was leaning in that direction. But then some, some other schools got involved, uh, starting to offer him. Syracuse, obviously, uh, did offer him. He went up there for a visit. You know, it, it went extremely well. And, you know, I think there were some people that, you know, were, were pushing him to look at other schools outside of Rutgers, you know, in his inner circle. Uh, and Syracuse seemed to fit the bill there. And then Bryce Nelms, um, you know, he was another one that, you know, he, he had just told us the, you know, the week prior that, you know, Rutgers was his favorite. That's what he was, you know, leaning to. Uh, you know, he's a guy that is, um, you know, he's Georgia transplant but moved up here. The story's been well documented how I, one of his, his relatives has a building named after on the Rutgers Newark campus. And, you know, he was just another guy that was always hanging out on campus, even if it wasn't like an official, you know, type of event for Rutgers. And he just seemed really comfortable on the campus. So everything seemed to be leaning in that direction. Uh, but he, he went out to Pittsburgh for an official visit. Uh, you know, he hadn't been on any, any other officials. So Pittsburgh, obviously, you can you can do certain things on official visit. They really, you know, opened his eyes to some things. Uh, they had, I think, 10 other commitments that same weekend. So you see it sometimes, the energy when kids are committing, you want to jump along and, and, and join. Um, and, and 
they really caught Nels up in that and got the commitment. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he takes other business in the future um, since he has four more official visits to go. All right, so let's get back to the Rutgers commitments. Uh, we finished everybody who was on our high list last month. There was a commit who came off of our medium list, and that's uh, linebacker Zakudo Iguanago. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, out of Worcester Academy in Massachusetts. Sean, how did he go from the medium list and right up to being committed within a month? You know, he, he was a guy that if, if we would have published a, a chart in the offers earlier in the year, he would have been on the high list. He had, he had named Rutgers as his favorite. They were the, the lone power five offer that he had. He, he had been to campus multiple times and, you know, had really, you know, just liked the reception he was receiving from the staff. But he wanted to, to go through the process and go through the spring evaluation period and, and see what other schools came along. He's a guy that's a high academic kid, uh, you know, you know, he's in Massachusetts, uh, Worcester Academy. It's not like he's in Boston. Uh, it's not a highly recruited area, uh, but he wanted to go through the recruiting process uh, in the spring and see what other schools would come along and show some interest. And he, he got a few more offers, um, but, you know, between, um, you know, just the lack of attention from the schools and just the amount of love he had been getting from Rutgers, you know, for an extended period of time, it, you know, he, he really just made the decision to want to finalize the process and, and, and make his commitment. And he, he took a, a, you know, a surprise visit for us, you know, uh, analyst uh, Tuesday of last week to, to make it official to the staff in person. So it, it wasn't a shock because he had named Rutgers as his leader in the past. But, you know, when he, he wanted to go through the process, it was like kind of touch and go whether or not he would make things fine with the, with the Scarlet Knights. All right, so let's look at a player who we had listed as low interest a month ago, and that's tight end Dylan Devaney of Hun, of the Hun School in New Jersey. He comes out and commits to Rutgers. I guess from, at least from my perspective, looking at that list a month ago, that seems like a pretty big shock. How did that happen? You know, it, you know, uh, his, his story is interesting. He's a guy that he he is a you know a high school teammate of of incoming freshman tight end uh, athlete Davon Robinson at Shawnee. These guys played uh, both football and basketball together, but this is actually uh, Devaney's. It'll be his second season of football, high school football, this, this coming uh, fall. He came out for the, for the football team at Shawnee last year. Um, was committed to Lafayette on the baseball scholarship. Was also a uh, big time basketball player in South Jersey. He, he took up football. He, you know, he, he liked it quite a bit as a tight end for their team. He said, you know, I, I want to make this my future. And Rutgers had actually was the first school to really know about him. They offered him a, per, a preferred walk-on spot in the last year. Uh, but, you know, he saw that. He's like, oh, you know, I'm getting some interest from colleges. Maybe I should, you know, consider uh, a year of prep school and, you know, see what other schools get involved. So he made the decision uh, to do a, a post-grad season at the Hunt School in New Jersey, which traditionally – uh, a lot of a lot of kids have not come from the Hunt School to to Rutgers, um, so he he's not there yet. He's he's still at Shawnee. He just graduated, but he was attending a lot of spring evaluation workouts at the Hunt School. And you know, Todd Smith does a great job up there. You know, Dylan was doing well, and a number of schools came out and offered him. Uh, you know, Maryland. Uh, he had to go to camp at Pittsburgh to get an offer. Um, Minnesota was another offer uh, amongst his offer list. So you know, he had a lot of interest going on. He just seemed to be looking elsewhere and, you know, had a wandering eye, although Rutgers was always around. He wanted to see what else was out there. He was kind of, you know, interested, but not really showing as much love. Uh, but, you know, Rutgers really, you know, picked up the pace in the past couple weeks or so. He visited Minnesota. Um, wasn't an official visit, but Minnesota, you know, Dylan had told me he didn't like the way their offense used the tight end at all. 
Uh, so then it came down to, to Maryland uh, and Rutgers at the end, but he really just liked uh, the plans that Rutgers had. Uh, you know, Vince O'Crew was recruiting him when he was at Shawnee, the tight end coach that continued along with A.J. Blazik. Uh, and then getting the campus and seeing how they were going to use the tight end, you know, really opened his eyes. And I mentioned with, with Devon, who's one of his best friends in his ear, you know, for, for the last year or so, saying, you need to join me at Rutgers. It really kind of hammered the point home for, for, for Devaney to, to make that commitment. They were The camp that you weren't able to make it to, they were showing him a lot of interest that day, too. So I'm sure that yeah. helped. Um now, I'm looking down. There were a couple guys who committed recently who weren't even on the list because they didn't have offers at the time. We only list people who had offers. And the first one was quarterback Cole Snyder, who you mentioned before. And the second right. one was tight end Tyler DeVera of Bergen Catholic. Can you talk a little bit about, well, let's talk about both of them, Snyder a little bit as well as DeVera. Yeah, Snyder, you know, so obviously with, with John McNulty, you know, coming back to the program as offensive coordinator this year, um, you know, his sole recruiting, you know, territory is to, to cover the quarterbacks nationally. Uh, so although Jamal Wise was, has been committed to the program for some time, McNulty was out evaluating other quarterbacks uh, nationally. Um, you know, offered a few guys down south that, you know, seem to be going towards this trend of, of taller pro style type of guys that were, you know, six three and taller. Uh, Cole is, you know, at about six feet, but you know, um, just scouring the country, McNulty went to see him throw live twice at his high school in upstate New York, uh, western New York. And you know, then from there, you know, Cole had visited campus as well, and they they had him down for that first East Coast elite camp on June first. You know, Cole spun it really well at that camp. Um, he's not a, a guy with a big arm, but he's you know very accurate can make all the throws, as they say, um, you know, especially what Rutgers wants in that offense. And, you know, I, I know there was some, some trepidation on the staff's part on, you know, the height. I think that was the drawback, you know, was he big enough for them? Uh, but I, they obviously got over that, and, and they offered him scholarship the day after the camp. And it looked like Cole was going to do some other camps. I know he was – I think he went to Temple the week before the Rutgers camp. And I know he was scheduled to go to the Pittsburgh's camp. I know he was scheduled to go to the Michigan State camp as well. And, you know – he was going to do those camps. Like, you know what? I visited Rutgers. I love the place. I got my power five offer. There's no reason to look any further. He made his commitment a few days later, and now Rutgers has their, their second QB in their class. Uh, and then the second guy, Tyler DeVera, younger brother of current Rutgers linebacker, Brendan DeVera. Um, you know, Tyler plays at Burton Catholic. You know, he, we, we talk about guys earning their offers. He, he really earned the offer. Um, he's a guy that, you know, Rutgers has, has known about for a while. Um, they evaluated him multiple times. With, with Nunzio Campanile, his former high school coach on the staff, he, he knows him really well. He was he was the guy, um, you know, that was really championing, trying to be a champion for, for DeVera to get this offer. Um, you know, and uh, Rutgers wasn't really uh, recruiting a lot of tight ends nationally. They only had, uh, I believe, about two or three offers out in the whole country at the position. Uh, but, you know, Tyler just kind of stayed the pace. He really wanted to play with his brother. That was the goal. And he came down for the second half of the June 16th camp um, you know, and he worked out, and, and they had him matched up with the best linebacker of the camp, uh, recent UVA commit Chance Chalmers, uh, Chase Chalmers from Virginia. They had him go through essentially the whole route tree, and, and Tyler, you know, I've, I've watched him evolve. He, you could tell at that camp that he, he was playing with a sense of urgency. He, he definitely improved his route running. He, he's always had great strong hands. He's got great size. Uh, but he definitely was able to just, just improve a route running. Even when Chalmers was in a position to make a play on the football, 
uh, Devere is just so strong, was able to, you know, maintain the grip on the football, you know, not let the breakup happen. So, you know, I watched Coach Ash was like, hey, go again, go again. So they really gave him a real thorough evaluation at the camp. Um, and then once the camp was over, they gave him the offer. And, you know, everyone, you know, wasn't surprised. It didn't take Tyler too long, you know, to sleep on it for a couple of days and eventually, you know, make his commitment in person to the staff. He did really well at that seven-on-seven seven this week. Yeah, he definitely he, – he did extremely well. Um, you know, he, he caught a ton of touchdowns. And he even mentioned it, it was kind of way off his shoulder, you know, for you know someone trying to pursue an offer. Uh, you know, there's always that stress involved. You don't want to make mistakes and things of that nature. But I think now that he has the – you know, he has the commitment behind him. He's going to the school he wants to go to. He, he played, you know, just way more relaxed on Saturday and showed in his performance at the camp. All right, so let's go to some questions from the Roundtable message board on ScarletNation.com. First one is from Abro1975. He says, quote, can we expect any commitments before the quiet period starts, end quote? Well, I mean, considering that I think the dead period starts, um, I believe if not now, uh, tomorrow, you know, there's you know nothing, nothing expected in the next couple hours or so, but uh, obviously mentioned that, that, you know, Rutgers is doing um, very well with Karen Adams from Ohio. Um, you know, we had two crystal balls today from uh, Brian Doan, our national recruiting analyst, and Bill Green, who is our Ohio expert at 24-7 Sports. They, you know, he knows that state inside and out. He's the first guy to really write about Karen. Uh, so it, it may not be, you know, before the official, you know, quiet period, but I would not be shocked if, if Adams, once he gets home and gets a chance to sleep on it, you know, makes a commitment to Rutgers and, you know, sometime in, in the coming week or so, you never know. All right. So next question from a gentleman named Easy P. This is what he asks. Given that Rutgers has dipped in the suite in the last two years, curious to know whether any of the premier players, in, premier players international guys, so that's that organization, caught Sean or Bobby's eye. I believe they had a bunch of guys at the June 1st camp. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, they, you know, I know you said Jigman Sweden twice. I mean, technically, um, you know, obviously with uh, Jutland last year, he, he was actually uh, a part of PPI, uh, Premier Players International. Uh, but um, I don't know why I'm drawing the blank. I'm sorry, uh, my guy Sam uh, from uh, Chester Academy. He had been in the States playing for two years. So it's, it's different versus how this program works. All these guys in the program are playing high school football in Europe in hopes of getting scholarships to come play in America. Uh, so it's a little bit different on um, how it works. Bretman, Sam Bretman. Sam was playing in the United States uh, for a high school for two years, so it's, it's a little bit different. But he knew um, Robin Jutman from playing in the same program in Sweden. Uh, but there, there were a number of players. Um, the first camp that the PCI group attended uh, was the Rutgers camp on June 1st. Um, they had a number of offensive linemen that really caught people's eyes and throughout the course of their travels in the country, caught people's eyes. Um, Martin Benberg, 6'8", 300-pound offensive tackle, was one of the top guys um, in that camp. Uh, then another guy, Kareem Alshouf, who was more of an interior guy, like 6'4", 330. Uh, and then uh, I think it was Anton uh, Oscarson, uh, 6'5", 280 guy that they also had. Actually, uh, Martin and Kareem picked up offers from Florida uh, later in their travels. Um, and I know... I believe there's some other schools um, that offer them as well. So they have a, a number of, of offers, you know, after the trip. So it was success for those guys. Uh, they had a linebacker, Fabian Winst, who did really well at the camp. He, he was a little bit smaller, closer to six feet. 
Uh, he actually picked up an offer from Buffalo during the camp circuit, and he committed to Buffalo. Uh, and I don't remember the quarterback's name, but they had a quarterback who participated as well who ended up getting an offer from, from uh, Virginia, UVA. He committed to Virginia uh, recently as well. So they had a number of guys. I mean, I think for, for Rutgers, they're probably paying the closest attention to the offensive linemen. Uh, you know, it's, it's still a position of need in this class. They, they do have C.J. Hansen committed already, and, and they had um, priority target Celine Wordley visit this weekend officially. But other than that, they're, they're still looking at some guys, there's some local guys on the board as well. But I know those are the ones that probably uh, open the most eyes. They also had a, a defensive end from um, from Belgium, uh, Sylvain uh, Yanjor. I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong, but he, he was you know pretty impressive at the camp as well. He was so impressive that uh, the Ohio State coaches, Urban Meyer, specifically told him to come to the Ohio State camp uh, later this summer to work out. And I was told he did well at that camp as well. So he's another guy that is definitely on the Rutgers board after his participation uh, at those camps. All right. Here's a, an interesting question. Uh, it comes from Scarlet Forever, and he asks, I'm finding it difficult to judge recruiting in general for RU. Has recruiting been strong enough to compete in the Big Ten East Division? Also, what are his thoughts on recruiting prospects with high upside and limited experience for his players that may have a more limited ceiling but have played a lot of football? I mean, it's um... – I mean, obviously, in the Big Ten East, you have the Ohio State, who's the juggernaut. Actually, I actually just saw a stat today because Ohio State just flipped a quarterback commit from Michigan State. And I, I believe since Urban Meyer's been there, they said that uh, Ohio State has flipped 15 guys from Big Ten schools, and they've only had three guys that have flipped from them to Big Ten schools. So they're, they're the bully in the conference. Um, obviously, they're consistently a top-five team on national recruiting. Um, Penn State and James Franklin has done a, a phenomenal job uh, recruiting nationally, uh, ranking-wise. And obviously, Michigan under Jim Harbaugh has done extremely well. Then that second-tier, um, Michigan State under uh, D'Antoni, they don't recruit as well as those those top three programs, but they they're developing uh, their their targets. So, you know, for, for Rutgers, I I think I don't know if they're at a point right now where obviously they're not recruiting at the same level as those top three. Um, you know, so it's it's, it's at a point where I think they're going to have to be a developmental program uh, where they're getting guys in and they're able to, to really, really compete every, every three or four years versus expecting seven-point games against Ohio State and Penn State every year. Um, but they, you know, they're, they're definitely the, – the talent is better than what they were getting uh, under Kyle Flood. You know, there may be some, some diamonds in the rough, and they may have to take a chance on some guys that have high upside for that reason, but – there's still some work to do to be recruiting on the same plane as those, those top-tier schools in, in their particular division. Uh, and then in regards to the high upside limited experience versus players that have a more limited ceiling than a lot of football, you know, I, I think it, it it really depends, um, you know, sometimes by position. The, um, I, we talked a bit about the Smith-Vilbert offer, and, you know, talking to a lot of coaches, they feel that, Defensive line is a position where you can get a guy with little to no football experience and coach him up and have him be productive uh, and have him be a really productive football player. So, you know, I, I think, you know, for, for defensive line, it's okay for the guys that don't have limited experience, but you would want to take a quarterback that has played, you know, only five varsity games um, in his career. Um, you know, it, it just takes a lot of work to develop and, and learn the game uh, from a cerebral uh, and experienced perspective at that position. Uh, so you, I mean, you—they're doing a good mix. They're taking a lot of guys who may not be the the super duper athletes, but can be productive 
on the field. Um, you know, and I think you want guys that, that know how to play the game, uh, but, you know, do have some room for growth versus taking a lot of guys that have a lot of upside, but they just don't, they're not experienced and they're productive at the high school level. All right. So EJ Gons asks you, what's the problem with the DL recruiting? How did we lose Nelms? Now you already talked about how they lost Nelms. So let's just, I guess that's a big question on the message board these days because defensive line's a big area of need and Rutgers doesn't seem to really be nailing that one this year. I don't know if, the, if it's even possible to answer what's going on with it, but give it your best shot. Yeah, you know, I, I know someone else uh, on our board, we were having a discussion about it, and um, they made the point that, oh, well, there's in, in the New Jersey, New York City area this year, there are six, um, like, power five caliber defensive linemen. And this gentleman made the point that he, he thought that was more than enough. Uh, and I argued that that six isn't a lot. Uh, especially when you think of the fact that for, for this year's class, right, uh, Howard Cross from St. Joe's Montvale, who's going to Notre Dame, uh, and Nias DeCosmo from Burton Catholic, who is you know going through a lot of you know high tier options, neither guy really gave much of a of a you know attention to want to go to Rutgers. So that's minus two out of four guys. Uh, and then New Jersey is a state that some people may say is over recruited. Who knows? Um, you have a lot of really good football players who are typically good students. Uh, good background guys, so schools around the country uh, recruit the state. Um, you know, you have LSU and, and Texas A&M, which are recruiting in the area, which traditionally in the past has not happened, uh, but under the new staff there, they're spending more time here. And that's not talking about Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan and all those other schools. Um, so in defensive line, the premier position, uh, it's the hardest to recruit nationally. Uh, you know, so if, if you can get a guy who can play the position and he's really good and can show some upside, He's going to get a lot of offers. Um, Jared Hunt Harrison, a New York City kid, who was just at Rutgers again this week. He camped at Ohio State, finally got an offer there. You know, he camped at Penn State last week, and they like him a lot. And he's a guy that has played, you know, essentially a year of football on the defensive line and, and isn't really the most refined technique-wise, but he's also a basketball guy. He's a 6'5", 280 kid who can do a windmill dunk. So colleges see that, and they're like, wow, this is a great athlete. Um, you know, so you have these national powers coming in, uh, and also schools that have produced, you know, um, all American NFL guys, uh, Ohio State, Larry Johnson, you know, if you look him up, it, you know, he kind of sells himself. So for, you know, going against those national powers, Rutgers doesn't have that same, uh, resume in producing defensive linemen. Uh, and, you know, although Chris Ash is a national championship defensive coordinator, uh, you know, it's it's still a lot to compete against when a lot of these bigger schools, you know, when they want defensive linemen and they have the you know the pedigree of knowing to be producing a defensive linemen. So it's it's a tough battle for Rutgers locally when it comes to to beating some of those schools out. But they're going to have to do it at some point. I guess it's that combination of they have to do it, but there aren't that many recruitable players this year in the area. But I can see why fans yeah. are concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, there was a lot of talk about the Smith Zilber kid. You know, from, from what I saw, I, I was like, I, I get that he has limited experience in football and, and things of that nature, but just off of soul athleticism, you know, he's a kid that I think they had to offer. Um, and I think he, he's worth taking a risk on to see what he does. Uh, you know, just cause, you know, out there traditional areas, it's, it's tough to get guys and you can try to go other places in the country. Uh, it's tough to go in the South and get defensive linemen, um, you know, so if sticking in your, your normal footprint 
you know, you, you might take a chance or two if you feel like you know the kid well enough um, and you feel like he can develop into something. But like you said, um, yeah, you're going to have to beat some of the schools out. Um, you know, Rutgers is going head-to-head with these schools for Jason uh, Bissett, who was there uh, a week ago to visit, um, and they're doing extremely well in his recruiting. So you got to win you got to win some of those battles. You're not going to win them all, but you got to win a few of those battles, definitely. Now, a gentleman named the Best NJ, the Best NJ, he says, what's the early returns on the impact of Nunzio on recruiting? So that's Nunzio Campanile, new Rutgers coach, coming by way of Bergen Catholic, uh, Bergen County powerhouse, Bergen Catholic, that is. Um, so, I, I, Sean, I, I guess I want to just throw that question. What's his early impact? And... And I guess there's, oh, let me look over here. There's a second part of this. He says, were the big North kids looking at Rutgers anyway, or has he really made kids give us a legit shot? So what do you think? I mean, the, I think the the best example is Josh McKenzie recruitment. I, I don't see him considering Rutgers as seriously as he is if Nunzio is not there. Um, you know, he, and, and Nunzio is the guy that obviously knows all the coaches in the staff in that conference knows a lot of the kids, whether they're on, they were on his roster, Burton Catholic, or, you know, these kids visit all these schools um, when they're making a high school decision. So he knows a lot of these kids already. So um, they're, they're people he's familiar with that, that trust him, um, you know, and if they feel, you know, in the past, whatever was happening with Rutgers was happening. But I think the feeling that if, if Nunzio trusts Chris Ash enough to join the staff and be a part of it, then maybe – you know, maybe we can eventually learn to, to trust Rutgers as well and, and want to give them a shot. So I think, obviously, the Josh McKenzie recruitment, uh, you know, is a, is a firm example. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Conti, it's not like he had a lot of power five options, so maybe Rutgers would have gotten him anyway. Uh, I think Nunzio's impact there is, is helping to convince Rutgers to take the kid. Um, Connor Greco from St. Joe's Montvale, who, you know, Rutgers is battling uh, Army right now for his, you know, for his commitment. You know, he's you know, he's coming down to the wire, and that's a guy, if Nunzio is not there, you know, Rutgers may not have that type of shot with him. But he's definitely giving it a, a serious look, a serious consideration. I think, you know, for some of the guys in this class, they, they already had their minds made up before Nunzio got on the staff, so it, it was going to be a hard sell for them anyway. Uh, but for, you know, some of the, the future classes, um, you know, 2020 and beyond, I think that's where you really can see uh, what type of impact Nunzio is going to have. But you, you can just tell, just you know, just watching at the camp yesterday, and you know, I see Nunzio walk up to the coach at these staffs. It's you know, it, it's hugs when he comes up, and it's it's joking, and it's someone they're comfortable with. So you know, um, they're they're in the game with some some of their top priority targets from these schools. Uh, but he he definitely gives them more of a fighting shot. And, you know, um, Devera may have ended up here uh, because his brother was was already, um, you know, a part of the, a part of the program. But I think McKenzie, if, if they're able to bring him in, uh, I think that's a sign just of his impact, um, you know, going forward in, in this class as well. Now, I have to say, when I look across the New Jersey landscape, I don't think Rutgers has ever been in a better position when it comes to people who are coaching, uh, who are former Rutgers uh, players across the state. You have people who are like Mason Robinson, who's training. You and I have talked about this. We a lot of Rutgers former Rutgers players are trainers who train top talent. It, well, it, the way well, I, I look at it, right? The, I'm sorry. What are you saying? No, nah, I wanted to add. Um, it, I would say it's not just Nunzio either. I think one of the, the the smart things Ash did this off season is that he, you know, everyone complained about the Jersey Tide, and I think he did a lot of work to to tie that up. You know, not just hiring Nunzio, but 
Um, you know, he brought in uh, Drew Lascari, who was a former Don Bosco offensive coordinator, as a, um, I think he's a special teams tight end QC. Uh, Marquise Watson, a former St. Peter's Prep for Prairie Catholic guy, the defensive line GA. Uh, John Weiss, uh, former DePaul coach, who was at Nebraska, is now O line GA for Rutgers. Um, and in South Jersey, Charles Watkins, who um, he's coached around the college ranks and he played at Camden, played at uh, and played at Duke. He's the uh, wide receivers GA for Rutgers. So um, you know, not just you know Nunzia, but he he's bringing in a lot of guys who all these coaches are familiar with, have worked with in one in one way or another. And, you know, obviously I've been almost 10 years, you know, covering New Jersey and Rutgers recruiting. So these are guys I knew when they were high school coaches. So now, you know, just for me as the outsider, I see a lot more familiar faces uh, in the program than, than I did in the previous year. So I know the coaches and the kids feel that same way as well. Yeah, and I guess that's what I was getting at, though. With all of these connections and also having Mike Teal as the head coach at Don Bosco, Gary Nova as the offensive coordinator at Paramus Catholic, the great ties Rutgers already has with Coach Hansen over at St. Peter's Prep. It can go on and on and on. If they can't get it done recruiting over the next year or so, I have some definite reservations about their ability to ever get it done with this current staff. Am I being too alarmist? No, I mean, I I mean, I want to be so... I wouldn't argue that point. Um, I mean, they, they got a lot. And like you said, that was an issue. There were, people were complaining there weren't enough familiar faces for them, and, and now there are a lot more familiar faces in the program now. Um, you know, and you know, I, I don't know if they'll ever get done. Like you said, I mean, you, you look at – we'll go back to Shiano when he, he had that staff with Fleck uh, and with Hasley and those guys. And, you know, I, I don't know if, if Nunzio is a Hasley type, uh, but he, like I said, he's definitely a guy that coaches are, are more familiar with, uh, and it, it helps them. I mean, at the end of the day, and, and Chris Ash will tell you the same thing, they need to win. Um, I mean, he, he could bring on Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, the assistant coaches and staff, but if, if they're not producing uh, and, and they're not putting their product on the field, you know, it's, it's all for naught with, with these additional staff. So he, he's made some changes on the off-the-field stuff to help them bring in the talent, but – they know they need to win to really, you know, be a player um, for a lot of these, these top guys. So it, it can happen, but everything needs to fall into place. Yeah, I guess if they have a winning season this upcoming season, you combine that with all the college ties, uh, the high school ties that they have now on their staff. At that point, they got to get it done then with those top tier guys. I, I see, and I, I know I'm trying to, I'm coming off as a little bit of a pessimist here, and I'm not, but you look at that, was it the 2012 class? You know, Shiano got top-tier guys like Darius Hamilton, who shouldn't have been looking at Rutgers at that time, given the fact that of the conference that they were in and their status across the country. But he was able to do it. I need to see Ash do that a little bit more. Yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens this next year. I think they're poised to have a good season, or a better season, that is. And if they can capitalize on that, on the recruiting trail... Uh, Chris Ash could be here for a long time, and that would be a, a wonderful thing for everyone. Um, Sean, I'm going to end it right here. Any final thoughts on Rutgers recruiting the season, the camp structure that just you know was coming to an end right now? Anything that's going on in the world of Rutgers and New Jersey high school football? You know, I will say, you know, this is the time where I'm on the campus the most during the camp season, and this is. Um, we're entering year three for Chris Ash, and I will say that the the overall vibe in the program um, just seems way more relaxed uh, than it has in the past. Um, you know, in terms of 
just walking around and, and just seeing people's demeanor. And, and I think, you know, the, the guys that were new to the area are, are more comfortable. You know, they, they have the relationships now. You know, people know them. They know people. You know, so, so things are more familiar in that front. And then, as I mentioned, bringing in a lot of, of familiar faces, um, you know, from the area to the program as well helps, helps build more bonds. It's definitely, you know, just a, a way more relaxed atmosphere. And I don't think it's relaxed in, in that they're too lax and they won't perform well this year. But, you know, I think pe- everyone's more familiar with one another right now. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's obviously a good thing um, for the Rutgers program from, from a recruiting perspective because people want to go, you know, and, and the people where they know people. Um, it, relationships are a big part of recruiting. So it's, it's definitely a, a more relaxed vibe, I would say. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how, you know, that, that reflects on the field this season. Yeah, I agree with you. When I was at the last camp, I was talking to some of the players who were helping to coach when they were on the sidelines getting a drink of water, and it seems like everyone is happy, they're healthy, they're excited, they love each other, they love the program, there's a lot of optimism, and uh, they're really excited about this upcoming season. No, definitely. I think the the culture that Coach Astor is trying to put in place is I think it's basically, you know, fully implemented. Um, you know, it, it seems like everyone is, is on the same accord in, in that program. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the, the returns are on the field uh, this fall. All right, Sean, thank you so much. And to everyone out there listening, head on over to scarletnation.com. If you are a member, get on that message board and chat it up with us. Make some suggestions for who you'd like to hear us interview next for the Scarlet Nation podcast. And if you're not a member, click on that Join button right on the main page, Join We have content for you 365 days a year. We have great conversation on the roundtable message board. And, of course, our staff is always there, ready to answer your questions and chat it up with you about the world of Rutgers athletics. Thank you, everyone.